Hi, I'm Jane, and today I'm talking to John Baxter from First Peoples Network. Hi, John. G'day, how are you, Jane? Pretty good, I am, yes. Um, thanks for coming to Raising Our Voices. Can you tell us what is First Peoples Network? All right, well, first, if I could just introduce myself, my name's Uncle John Baxter. I'm an Orunga man from uh, Point Pierce in South Australia. Deadly. Um, being, uh, well, I was born up in uh, Robin Vale, so it also makes me Lachi Lachi country. Um, I was fostered out to a non Indigenous family as a kid, uh, brought down to Melbourne and down here ever since. And uh, the, the, the challenge continues to uh, reconnect with my own mob, which has been uh, an interesting journey. Um, I'm a person with disability, um, paraplegia. Uh, I've had that since birth. Um, and in my travels, one of the organisations I've come across is the, um, it's called the First Peoples Disability Network Australia. Um, they're based up in Sydney and Redfern, uh, and they're a national organisation of uh, First People with Disability and their families and their community. Um, yeah, so that's what they do. That's, that, that's in the, what they do. Thanks, Uncle John. How did it get started? It got started locally up in Sydney about oh, over a decade ago. Um, there was an organisation, uh, New South Wales Disability Network, uh, and that realised that um, the over-representation of disabled uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples within our community um, in any society, there used to be around about 12 to 15% of any population used to have some kind of a disability of one sort or the other. Uh, that number is slowly increasing for a variety of reasons, but they realise within the Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander community, that number can be as high as up to between 46 and 48% of, uh, of our mob. And so for, for, that for people's rights, for their advocacy, um, that, uh, yeah, we need a voice out there. I agree with you there. What are your aims? Well, I think the aims of the First People's Disability Network, one, is to give community a voice in the first place. Um, I think it's an understanding of what is disability to start with. If you look at a lot of traditional languages, there is no word out there for disability. Um, and so being able to identify what disability is and how that impacts not only on the individual but on the family and on the community as well, but also how that individual can, can maintain being a productive member of that community, how support structures can be placed around uh, not only the individual but the community, but also with mainstream as well, how the understanding of not only with cross-cultural training to understand Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, but also Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people with disability, because it really is quite a different setup in that, uh, you know, we keep talking about isolation and the, yeah. the tyranny of distance is a line I hear a fair bit, because I have the opportunity to go to a lot of the different communities and sit down and talk to families of peoples with disability. And for some of them, um, for a, you know, any particular type of disability, uh, we've got a number of issues there. One is that disability has not been diagnosed or it has been incorrectly diagnosed, and that might be physical or intellectual uh, well-being, um, etc. Um, and also the difficulty of being correctly assessed as well. 
because a lot of uh, families then have to go move to a, a regional centre or a major city for mm. the, uh, you know, you've got to have a specialist yeah. do the diagnosis. Um, sometimes you find that, um, I was talking to a lovely family over in Sejuna and their child had disability, but they were the only one in that community who had that disability. Oh, and so they had no role models to work off and to be able to compare notes, if you could say that. Uh, and so they're really doing it tough. Uh, a lot of communities also tend to live on the fringes or outside of the, the centre of town, if I can say that. And so they feel a great deal of isolation as well. And some of these uh, government housing buildings that people live in and... Um, trying to get alterations uh, to make these these houses accessible is exceedingly difficult. But you realise too, within that, people just don't live in with, you know, the confines of their home. Mm. You know, they live within their community and beyond. And trying to get people out into the community and so therefore not only with services but with aid and equipment as well, being able to get the appropriate equipment and so that individual can be a productive member of the community is a tremendous challenge within itself. Mm. Where do you meet? The offices of uh, First Peoples Disability Network is over in Redfern in uh, Sydney. Um, obviously, I live down here in Melbourne, so... Uh, and so do I. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but there are meetings that are held there, so... Uh, the team, if you like, uh, are flown up to Sydney and we have members from um, Queensland, uh, from New South Wales, from Victoria. Western Australia. From Western Australia, from our country, uh, uh, Victoria as well. If I'm Northern Territory a, too. Yep. I'm able to do a shout out to my good friend, Uncle uh, Len. Yep. Um, and uh, how is he going? Hi, Uncle Len. Yeah, with his daughter, Levine. Uh, so, yeah. Um, anyway, and also that incorporates... Um, not only a, a variety of locations that uh, the members are from, from, but also a variety of disabilities as well, which I think is really important. So we try to be as broad as we can with our understanding of um, the range of disability. What work are you doing? Well, I do um, quite a significant amount of work down here in Melbourne, which I find very much helps complement the work that the First Peoples Disability Network do, and that not only is in working within with uh, within the the disability sector, but also working with Aboriginal community as well. Um, as an example, um, I work uh, with uh, Reconciliation Victoria. I've been on the council for that for quite a, a number of years, and being able to raise these issues, um, I think, is a, is an important one. But also being having under this understanding of where Aboriginal community is at and looking not only into its past, but looking forward into the future and where are we as a community, as a mob, where are we going? And of course, we've got then conversations like treaty and constitutional change, which are gonna help um, which are going to help develop our future, not only for us, but for our, um, our, our children and our grandchildren as well. Um, on a number of different, um, what we call disability reference groups, including the, uh, the Victorian Equal Opportunity Human Rights Commission Disability Reference Group, the Victoria Police Disability Reference Group, and a new one which I've just been appointed to, which is the Victorian Disability Advisory Council. So, and that um, deals directly with uh, Minister Martin Foley 
of state government. So uh, it does give you the opportunity to have a voice out there and not only make comment in relation to if there's any issues or concerns or problems in relation to how our community is going, but also look at the solutions as well and what is the path forward. Can you... Oh, now we will have a music break of the song of Archie Roach of Taking the Children Away. Welcome back to Raising Our Voices. My name's Jane. I'm here today with my brother, John Baxter, who's an uncle, and Nat as well, so from the First Peoples Network. What are some of the issues you work on, brother? Well, I think both locally and nationally, I think some of the things we're looking at is the over-representation of our community, now, whether they be in the, the prison system, in the juvenile justice system, within institutions, um, within out-of-home care, um, it just seems to be across the board that um, it's a tremendous challenge that not only we as a community have to face, but I think in the broader context we as a society have to seriously look at. And I know a lot of the conversation, especially with First Peoples Disability Networks, is that, you know, peoples with disability who happen to be uh, Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander have what they call double disadvantage. And so not only have they, um, are they challenged with, um, with their mobility uh, and acceptance in, in, in that respect, but also, too, there's often a lot of... Um, uh, not only stereotyping, but uh, negative negativity toward Aboriginal peoples, um, you know, and this is Australia-wide, not only here in, in Melbourne, so. Are you tackling any issues like institutions, prisons, what the police are doing to these Aboriginals up in the Northern Territory and all this, brother? Yeah, look, you kind of realise... In a sense, you're only one voice, mm. uh, but uh, together as a community, we become many voices, and I think that's very important. And working in an advocacy group and the awareness of what is happening uh, to our community, I think, is, is really, really important. Uh, one of the organisations I'm on is the Victoria Police Disability Reference Group, uh, and within that incorporating into the conversation of, say, accessibility and ensuring that if somebody is brought in for questioning, if somebody is a victim of crime, for example, that they are treated respectfully, that they also have access to the law. And especially if we're dealing with someone, say, if I may, with, um, with intellectual health difficulties, that they have the support structure around them. And so, therefore, the justice system works as fairly for that individual as it would work for any other member of the community. How does... Oh, wait. Are you working in cities or the remote areas? Yes and yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Um, look, I, I, I feel like I'm in, a, in a, very, a very privileged position that 
through the different organisations that I work with, it does give me the opportunity to travel um, tremendously, not only throughout Victoria, but also around Australia as well. And to be able to sit down and have the conversation, firstly, with the community themselves, to be able to find out where they are Mm. in their lives and how the impacts that have faced all of us uh, in a real world, how do they? How does that impact on them? How are they dealing with them? What support structure is there? But also, what changes are occurring? But then being able to do more than that, being able to one raise awareness of these issues, but also feedback to the relevant departments and governments to say, well, look, you know, th- though the policy may seem sound on paper, in a real world scenario. It just isn't working. And part of that reason maybe is because the individuals who write these policies in the first place either have never been out into those communities, they have never been in those circumstances, or they don't have the connection they need uh, to be able to properly assess what the issue is in the first place, but far more importantly, what the solution to those concerns may be. And that is part of the role we do as well. And as I said, you know, when you're going out to um, places like Seduna and Lee Creek and Port Augusta and, you know, the list just goes on and on and on, the different different communities I've had the, 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 the true fortune to bring with. And um, it's just amazing sitting down, not only hearing people's stories and finding out where they are or at, but also the strength through the um, diversity um, that these people are having to having to face. And I, I think that is of tremendous encouragement to myself to saying, well, yes, you know, we are aware of what the issue is, but also bringing the solution of how people can then move forward within their lives. And uh, just as an example, you know, the introduction of the National Disability Insurance Scheme, which is uh, a very big part of the work that the First People's Disability Network is doing, working with uh, both the federal and state governments and with local areas as that is slowly rolled out through the various states and territories, is really important. As I was saying before, a lot of uh, Aboriginal community, you know, don't even have a word within their own language for disability. So being able to identify that an individual may have that disability, as in may not be able to perform that task at the same capacity or have a learning capacity as the same as others or peers, and often that is found whether you're Aboriginal or not, when that especially if you're talking about early childhood um, intervention, when that individual, say, starts kinder, starts primary school, etc., then it is picked up by somebody else outside of the family because within the family that is just part of their normal uh, day-to-day experience. And so then say, right, if this individual does have uh, a disability, then how can we best support them and the family Uh, One, in understanding what that disability is, not only in its immediate 
presence, but also in the future as well. For example, if I may, for somebody who's got, say, on the autism spectra or Down syndrome, um, you realise that individual is going to grow up. So is that disability going to remain the same? Is it going to improve with their capacity and mobility? Or is it going to degenerate? Um, and therefore, they're going to need a stronger support structure put around that individual as they grow older. Um, are you getting a lot of success out of these meetings that you're going to and, you know, what they've been talking about, brother? Look, I'm very much a, a, an optimistic person. To me, the glass is always half full. And um, my answer is always to that, yes. Um, and I, I think for a number of reasons. One, that I do believe that governments are turning the circle and they are taking a greater interest and an understanding in the needs to which they are obliged to care for our persons with Aboriginal uh, Torres Strait Islander descent with disability. That is a, a good positive thing in, in the first place. Um, also too, the individuals themselves, the community themselves, have got a greater voice now. And one of those, strangely enough, is through social media. You know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that didn't exist, you know, when I was growing up. But also, too, you realise in that era, people were being put into institutions, oh. they were being locked away, uh, and they... I agree with you there. They had no voice whatsoever, whereas in today, it is a very, very different circumstance. And even being here today and being able to talk about these really, really important issues, I think is a vital, vital thing that we can do as a community. And we encourage people, you know, if they're aware of disadvantage, if they're aware of you know, things that are, are not working within the community, to stand up and be that voice. Um, could you just explain, brother, on about that? About that. Okay, <laughs> what that is, I'm being handed a piece of paper. Um, one of the things I hold very close to my heart is culture. And especially down in city areas, sometimes it's hard to be able to practice your culture in an urban environment. And so myself, with a, uh, the support of quite a number of different groups and organisations, we put on what we call a cultural day. Uh, we've been doing this for a couple of years now. It's over at a place called Blackburn Lake Sanctuary. So deadly. Which is in, strangely enough, Blackburn. <laughs> and on Tuesday, the 20th of September, between 10 o'clock and 3 o'clock, uh, we're having a cultural day. This one is focusing on Bush Tucker, which is going to be very exciting. Uh, we've got uh, some ceremony happening as well. Uh, we also very much engage our young people within this process. And I think that is also part of the solution is that you realise we are getting, um, our elders are getting older and they are finding it harder to continue to maintain the, the voice of support that they have for so many years. And so part of our role as the next generation is to educate our next generation on the issues that are close to all of our hearts. Yes, and I've got one more piece of paper to send to you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> As he gets handed yet another piece of paper. <laughs> All right. Well, this is interesting. And I think it's important because it's acknowledgement. Um, there is going to be a monument that is going to be unveiled 
by the Melbourne City Council on Sunday, well actually it already has happened now, uh, the 11th of September, and it's on the corner of Franklin Street and Victoria Parade, opposite the Old Melbourne Jail. And this is in a monument to, and I apologise in advance if I pronounce these individuals incorrectly, Tanmillerweight and Malabar Hindera Monument. So it, this is going to be a, st a monument to recognise these two individuals who paid the ultimate price for resisting the colonisation process. So I encourage Mob to go down there and have a look at that, have a read of the plaque there, and realise that we are walking in the footsteps of many great elders and leaders in the past that have helped to do, create the world that we live in today and this is also the the what has been placed on our shoulders as well that I believe that we have, I was going to say a role to play, but I believe it more of an obligation as Aboriginal peoples that we then help support and make the lives of our children and our grandchildren and, and future generations um, more equal. And so we're living, you know, in a good positive world. Gravy there. Thanks, John. What would your parting message be? Oh, thanks, Jane. Look, um, I know the, the line, you know, strong, proud and deadly is always a, uh, <laughs> always a good line to use, but um, I reckon, look, you know, when you're travelling around Melbourne, if you see the Aboriginal flag flying on top of a building, see it as part of an artwork, um, even on somebody's T-shirt, um, then, you know, not only should we be proud as a community, but we should also be challenged as well that we have that obligation to uh, not only for ourselves, but our family, our community and for our following generations to make our world a better world to live in. Thanks for talking with Raising Our Voices, Uncle John. And congratulations on our great network for First Peoples with Disabilities Network. Tune in now to our next show on Wednesday the twenty on Wednesday the twelfth of October at six pm. <laughs> I start again. <laughs> at some at some time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you're ready, just go. Okay, tune in to our next show on Wednesday the twelfth of October at six pm. Up next. Terminal Voices. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.